All right, let's let's do the top, and then we have to go. Otherwise, we're gonna lose our minds. Okay. Welcome to the Artless Podcast, where we make art accessible. I'm Seema. I'm Sophie. If you would like to, <laughs> moving on. If you would like to support the podcast today, you can rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on TikTok, Artless underscore Podcast. You can find us on Patreon, Artless Podcast. Uh, where we will be releasing some actual new content. Believe it or not, if you've been supporting us for a while while we've been in this uh, content void, thanks, friend. We really appreciate you. We will get there one day. We will. Um, Remember, it's just the two of us bringing you this fantastic underground, just the best content you've ever heard in your life, but there's only two of us. You know, We need need your help. We need your help. We need your help. We need your help. We would love to do this full time. We are are doing our best by making it less professional. Yeah, (laughs) definitely fewer. Um, We are doing our best to make this more professional. And in season two, we always have two two, uh, segments. One of them is unhinged. And that's the second part. The first part is usually more research and more like factual. It's almost like we started like, re- like kind of kicking out against the research side of it. We're just like, fuck this. Everything else is nuts. No, you can leave it on. It's okay. It's kind of funny. I think she actually, I don't know what she's hearing. Is she hearing your car? I don't even know. Don't the know. dog is just. She's she can't. She, she, I'm in your head. I know. Oh, that's what, I don't know what she's hearing. She's, she's hearing. Maybe, maybe she's in my head too. Maybe. Um, all right, so Sophie, my question to you today is, what do you think you know about the CIA and abstraction? Oh, so from my brief understanding and what I have read uh, and stuff that I've kind of just like come past in passing uh-huh. is that the CIA is kind of responsible almost for Jackson Pollock's like success as an artist in America. And it's this kind of idea from from what I can gather It's that during a time where there was like, you know, people were kind of starting to gain a little bit of social awareness and doing all these things, um, there was this real push from the government to, well, the CIA, to uh, platform these particular artists whose message uh, was less political um, and more abstract, I guess. Okay, so... I gotta say, this is one of my soapboxes. That's a, that's actually fairly bullshit. I that knew is, it. I knew it. That is. I was. That's why I asked you to do this. That's this that episode. is fairly much bullshit. What Great. I mean is that I think that one of the things that I find very interesting about the internet, the internet art historians, yes, um, is that they These find the some sort of soapbox. That, like, memes are neo data. Yeah, like Same they people. find some soapbox that they know will get views and then yes. they push it as hard as they freaking can. Yes. And I think that, yes. So so what this comes out of is something that's truthful. There it always is, always right? Been. Yes, that's right. There's a kernel of truth in this. It's how you so, sell a successful lie. You wrap it in a truth. Exactly, exactly. So the truth is that, and I'm going to read a quote by Eisenhower. The truth is there was absolutely government, um, the government. Assistance assistance to make um america during the cold war seem like a place of liberty and justice for all and so eisenhower called modern art a pillar of liberty as long as our artists are free to create with sincerity and conviction there will be healthy controversy and progress in art how different it is in tyranny where artists are made the slaves and tools of the state when artists become the chief propagandists of a cause progress is arrested and creation and genius are destroyed so 
Oh, my brothers in Christ, if you could see the art world now. I know, exactly. <laughs> oh, so no. I, and so very, very many times when I do a video about abstraction, people mm -hmm. are like, oh, I don't even like abstraction. It's just the CIA talking. And I'm like, you know what? You don't know what the hell you're talking about. So here's the thing. Yes. Yeah. The CIA has absolutely funded. So the, the American, not the, so the CIA, the Central Intelligence Agency, um, a lot of what happened in the Cold War, and in fact, what happens now mm -hmm. is what I think in the friend, in the uh, nonprofit world, we call friend raising, yeah. where you create basically goodwill through action. Yes. And the State Department still has an active art culture they pay for art and exhibitions all around the world. This is the thing that I don't quite understand is why people latch on to this particular narrative about the government exactly. being involved in art when that's the whole fucking history of art. That's exactly it. That's what makes me nuts. You just don't like why? abstraction because you don't why? understand it and you want a damn excuse. That's what you're telling me. You're telling me you don't get it. And rather than feeling dumb, you want to have some excuse. And it's not mm. true. Because if you don't, if you do not like the government messing with art, you know what you need to do? Make Stop. your own art. <laughs> well, no, don't ever, ever, ever like any photograph that was done by the the during uh, the depression. Oh yeah, no. You like any of those? None of that. <laughs> Out. Sorry, um, no Dorothea Lang for you. No Dorothea Lang for you. Oh. Uh, what about like George O'Keefe? Out. Pretty Out. flowers. She was so she was one of Dunzo. the people who was part of this. Mm -hmm. But then even forget that. No portraits of George Washington. No dollar bills, dude. Out. Doesn't Gilbert Stuart? Out. You know you don't get you got to nothing. No. You got nothing. You just don't like it. That you, Jacob Lawrence. Out. Interesting, isn't it? Fascinating. Gordon Parks. Out. Like you know, like come on. Inevitably, but, we come full circle to Seema's beef with like abstraction versus realism. <laughs> it is. It's always like that. It's always like that. Damn it. But my, so, so what really happens is, and I think this is what's so fascinating to me, abstraction is occurring all over the place. Yeah, you right? made me realize that abstraction is like a reflection of kind of nature and the state of being rather than like yeah. some kind of hugely conceptual thing. That's right. That's right. And, you know, like there's a lot of artists who are working in abstraction, for example, in what is was the Soviet Union. Yeah. Um, there was abstraction happening in what is was East Germany. And so there was a lot of artists who are working in that. And what what the end and you were taught we were, we, you know, we'll talk about how nations create sort of cultural propaganda in this episode, like the cultural propaganda we'll talk about later mm -hmm. with um, Shrimp on the Barbie in Australia. <laughs> so we are, we are always creating propaganda about how good our nation is. Yes. Always, always. You know, like on some level, all of that, you know, like, oh, you know what? If you hate government-sponsored art, then you probably need to forget about all American landscape paintings. <laughs> like, like how much of how much of the expansion of the West was paid for by the government? Yes. Like, how much of that was to promote manifest destiny? Right. Like, come like, on, come, come on. on. You now. just so, so sorry. What early photography is out for you because that oh, is yeah. government-sponsored tourism. Oh no! Get out of here! Oh no! Get out! You like a picture of Yosemite? You like that photograph? Of, of, bah, bah. Not yours. Wait, are you into Matthew Brady and the Civil War? Out. <laughs> um. So yeah, you got nothing. So what was really ha what's happened for almost all of the history of art is that it was sponsored by gov governments. Yeah, all the uh, like you know, in a previous episode we talked about uh, the wing genies of Asher Nazarpal, and mm. those were sponsored by the government. 
the, yeah. Napoleon, huge bonzer of, of art. Yes. So, so the CIA basically during the, the Cold War realizes that one of the things they can do because their whole their whole ethos is that we are free and they are not. Mm-hmm. They don't really explain what free is. Um, <laughs> and I, but like neither here nor there. And so they are- I don't know about y'all, but I don't feel free. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so, um, and so, what you have is that that when, um, and I'm looking for the date. Mm-hmm. So, like MoMA, um, basically sees itself, and um, under so you have like I'm trying to find John Whitney in 1941. Uh, he is at MoMA, and he sees art as a weapon of national defense because mm-hmm. it shares how they are so free, and they do exhibitions that show um, how free Americans are. And then that just really continues with you know with many people. When Whitney, for example, then leaves um, to work in. <clears throat> you know, work in the government, basically. And mm-hmm. then there's Nelson Rocke- Rockefeller, who's also associated with MoMA, and then goes, you know, to work at, um, for Eisenhower. They see that projecting American ideals is important. I will tell you, like, our American government today really uses a lot of this still with the way that they push American corporations abroad and the American <sighs> yeah. way of life and the American commercialism. So, yep. you know, if you really hate abstraction because of the CIA, then you probably should not buy an iPhone because <laughs> it's the same thing. And so like, you're really you're basically screwed. If you hate like, abstraction, if you're going to choose CIA, something to hate because of the American governmental influence, maybe choose genocide instead of abstract expressionism. Right, really, like right. I'm begging you to pick and choose your battles properly and put your anger in the right fucking space. When all you really what are, are you proving doing? is you just don't like abstract art and that's okay. That's okay, but just say that. Like, use that excuse instead. I don't get it. I don't like it. Honest. Those are those are honest. Just be an so idiot anyway, with your chest. It's okay. <laughs> and so what you see is the people like Clement Greenberg, who's really the art historian who is um, very responsible for Jackson Pollock. Yes, mm-hmm. they did like Jackson Pollock, and not be- Clement. But the reason they liked it is because it was hard to understand. Mm. And so it proved this sort of like American exceptionalism of intellectualism. <laughs> but those same people were into Jacob Lawrence because they wanted to show the multiculturalism of America mm. and um, George O'Keefe to show the freedom of women, right? Like, so it's not as if like Jackson Pollock is the only one. Now, yeah, no. so so I think that when you say that, what you're, what it, what it's really been overblown. And that's mm-hmm. where I think what has happened is there's so so little nuance in the argument. And it's these yes. bros who just don't get it, who want to say, well, yeah, I don't believe in a Mukha. And you're like, what you don't believe in is understanding the the, the fullness the of the truth here. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what you mean is you not only don't understand abstraction, but you don't understand history. <laughs> so, <laughs> um... <laughs> Sorry. What you mean to say is you're doubly stupid. (laughs) And so, and so in some way, in some ways, yes, it was abstraction because abstraction seemed hard. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, but, and it seemed like freedom, right? Like we're allowing this lack of representation and what they were comparing it to are things that were coming out of the Soviet Union. They were highly representational and very clearly propaganda, but 
It is worth noting that there was also government sponsorship of like film. The film industry was often getting like a pull in the U.S. at the same time, which was actually the same kind of propaganda, just in yeah. a different flavor, you know? Yeah. Oh, and I think that's that's where when we have this conversation, we are um, what you're what you're really just saying is I didn't understand the complexity of nationhood because the the government and the CIA is like mm -hmm. pulling all kinds of strings. And frankly, mm -hmm. they're not pulling a single string. The idea that the CIA thought we're going to make Jackson Pollock famous. But no one else like that's just not how it worked. It's also it's just like it just like the more you sit with it, the more it sounds like conspiracy theory thinking. Yes. Like the more yes. like really the more you sit with it, the more it's kind of like, oh, this is like Pizzagate. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, okay, it is. On. It is. And, the, and I and I do think like so. And I think that the bigger thing about Jackson Pollock is I do think Jackson Pollock had this really clear free pass because he was in New York City. Uh -huh. He took, you know, there was a woman named Janet Sobel who was like a housewife who did drip painting before him. Mm -hmm. He stole her idea. Mm -hmm. but he was in the right place at the right time. Clement Greenberg was very well placed. Jackson Pollock was very well placed. And then it seemed like a perfect thing. But there were other artists who were in this basically American art um, hmm. as propaganda. Mm -hmm. And I just, Jacob Lawrence, George O'Keefe, there's other artists who have been part of these exhibitions. It was not only Jackson Pollock and it was not only Abstraction. Abstraction yeah. certainly did have this 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 kind of push behind it. But yeah. Jackson Pollock also, and the part of this bizarre argument of the CIA is that the idea that Abstraction started with Jackson Pollock. Yeah. Right, like, no. No, there, no, no, I mean, no, no abstraction you could say i mean like you look at we talked about impressionism there's an abstraction to that mm -hmm. there is de steel there is you know like so much abstraction in de steel is mondrian there you know de steel is mondrian there's abstraction mm -hmm. intellectual abstraction but not visual abstraction in dada there is german expressionism oh, my five and one of the things i think is so fascinating when you think about artists who are like, like you think about the German abstractionists, a lot of them were in places that became East Berlin, East Berlin or East Germany, right? Like, and in fact, like we had to, I was, I don't know, Expressionism was like the response to the emotional, like, you yes. know, complexities of being a part of a state that was at war. That's right. And so like, like bring on fact, like, Palestinian abstraction. Yeah. But even if you think about, um, oh my God, what's his name? We always, Gerhard Richter. Mm. We, like I like who's a contemporary artist who works in abstraction sort of abstraction he yeah, does yeah, like yeah. realism too but um uh whenever our tv when we used to have cable got um pixelated my husband used to say ah damn Gerhard Richter <laughs> uh but one thing that was oh, is something happened and I was like I don't know what made me think it I was like wait did Gerhard Richter live in East Germany and he did oh. right he's from he would have been in East Germany, but like yeah. our conception of the Eastern Bloc now, because, you know, like we're not, you and I weren't living really through the Cold War. I guess I, I got the tail end in my youth, but um, that I think. I definitely we, um, wasn't. Yes, I was, though. I got to I got to experience the end of the Cold War. And um, but. But it's almost like we've forgotten that it existed. Right. And it's I think it's not seen as a world war. You know? That's right. When it was absolutely a consistent and back and forth yeah. Yeah. Um, war of cultural ideals. Yeah. And so if if the CIA, the CIA was smarter than things that we know, like, do you think really that's all they did?
come up with abstraction in Jackson Pollock? Every part of the Cold War, even we were talking about, because Back to the Future would have been at the end of the Cold War. Mm, and I think mm-hmm. about, we think about how in like the 80s and so many movies, Mm. The bad guys were so clear. Like, I mean, the Cold War in, if it was, if the Cold, like in um, James Bond, it was totally, James Bond was fighting the Cold War. <laughs> if you don't like that, there you go. If you don't like Jackson Pollock, don't, you cannot like any movie, any James Bond. That's out. That's out. Cause that's, that is also <laughs> those kinds of intellectual, those kinds of intellectual ideas of this simple boogeyman mm-hmm. was actually part of the Cold War. Yeah. So they were doing what basically they were doing is fighting this war on many different intellectual fronts, some mm-hmm. of which were simple. So you could like figure it out because, you know, like there's dummy amongst all of us. And then but then actually the ones that really worked were the ones that were much more complex. Mm. And they were very often things like this idea that you would push a film abroad mm-hmm. that made it seem like America is just so great. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and so in that ecosystem, there were many things that were part of the Cold War. Um, and what they were doing is amplifying things that existed. So, yes, Jackson Pollock certainly got a boost from C- the CIA. He got a bigger boost from being in New York and making New Yorkers like Peggy Guggenheims feel smart. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But but he is not alone. And it was not just abstraction. No. So basically, you're wrong, Internet bros. They often, as they often are. (laughs) Which takes me to a question I've always wondered about Australian English. Everything requires too much effort. I'm eating biscuits. Does it? Can I ask? So I've always wondered this Mm, about the biscuit cookies thing. Uh Do you feel like when you hear the word biscuit, does it feel the way I feel when I say the word cookie? Well, we say both in Australia. Yeah, I know. But like... When you say biscuit, do you think cook like do you feel cookie? You know, like when it's crunchy I don't and think sweet. I understand the question. So, so in India, we they say both, right? They have digestive yeah. biscuits, but they're basically That's cookies. What I'm eating. Yeah, and then they have cookies. Like you'll have a cookie, right? You could have cookies. But I think of he- biscuits of being like short and crumbly, like shortbread. Yeah. Or having like a snap quality to them. Yeah. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of Bake Off recently too. Oh, so that might we, inform. We stopped when we had to go gluten free. It's just <sighs> too hard to watch. That's have you so read that fair, book? mate. That's so it's fucking too hard fair. to watch. It's too heartbreaking. <laughs> have but have you read that book, uh, Golden Spoon? It's a mystery that takes place at Bake Off. No. That yeah. sounds really fun. It was fun. Um, it's fast. What I mean is like when I think cookie, cookies are like shop. I think happy. That, you know, sounds like cookie, child- the that sounds like a childhood association, though. But everybody, nobody thinks like cookie, like biscuit. We don't cookie. think happy. Cookies, yeah. Like, yeah. So are Australian and British dogs getting biscuits and not cookies? Or do they get cookies? No, they get biscuits. You call them biscuits. Yeah, we but don't here- call it kibble. We call it like dry food or biscuits. No, but I mean is like, even though here they're called dog biscuits, mm. when you're talking to the dog and you're like, oh, do you want to, do you say, do you want to... Oh, you don't take cookie. Oh, here a lot of people say because it's a treat. It sound biscuit doesn't sound like treat in my brain. Oh, it does to me. Isn't that? Yeah, weird? that's what I mean. That's what I was trying to get at. Does it seem like a treat? Um, yeah. But that's also because I have like I had like an organic mum growing up. You know, yeah, like, but no like, packaged foods. 
but um that's what my kids are gonna say about me um but <laughs> um but that does not sound like a treat like it doesn't sound like a treat to me that word biscuit i never no. think bi like biscuit treat no nah, because in australia we have arnott's biscuits which is like tiny teddies and yeah yeah but like, that's what I mean. It's a treat. See, I always feel sad for people who I see them and I've seen them in this because we have like import stores or something, but it doesn't sound like a treat. I don't hear the word biscuit and think treat. Maybe you just need to eat more biscuits and enjoy it and then be like, mm, that's a treat. But when I eat them, I think cookie. An American. When well, an then I American, can't help you. <laughs> when an American eats anything that is crunchy in that form, we think cookie. I want all the Americans who hear this. To write in and tell me when you eat anything crunchy, shortbread cookie, you think cookie. We don't think biscuit. We think biscuit flaky. We like think pastry. Biscuit. No, like a biscuit. <laughs> like a southern biscuit. That's the only biscuit we got. What's buttermilk a southern biscuit? biscuit? Like a southern biscuit, like buttermilk biscuits. <laughs> I was about to ask you, does it look like a cookie? <laughs> <laughs> Separated by a common language. I'm about to start fucking crying. That's so funny. Like holy shit. Like like, ha like ham biscuits. Like the only way I had to contextualize, like, is it like not like a baked pastry thing? Is does it look like a cookie? Oh, so man. it is a baked, it's a baked thing, but I wouldn't call it a pastry because it's not like a, it's not like a croissant, it's a biscuit. This is so unhinged. <laughs> uh, it does, though, make me think about how I it's find not it. a croissant. I find it so fascinating. I was talking, I just think this is, this whole thing is about how s people, and I think, so I, while raised bilingual, I wouldn't say like, I'm, I'm an American. Like I was raised here in the States. I just really know American stuff. But what I find fascinating is how, because Americans, Australians, Canadians. Yeah, the uh, whites. UK people. South Africans. Irish, South Africans, New White Zealand. White South Africans, yeah. We all speak the same language, right? And mm -hmm. we're all native in this language. We are, mm. we're talking this language, we're talking this language, and we are often talking around each other. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, right? and like getting angry about each other's syntax. Oh my God. The amount of British people who like to complain about Americans on TikTok, it's just, wow. it's amazing. I know. But then like, I was talking, uh, there's, a, there's a creator who I really like, who does ancient history, uh, Freya. Mm -hmm. uh, I think she I think she does ancient history. I can't remember now, but um Freya asked me, there's a woman who's from Birmingham who moved to Ohio, and I was saying that the thing about Ohio is actually the cities of Cincinnati and Cleveland predate the state of Ohio. Oh. And so like, oh yes. Hmm. Um and so when you say Ohio, that's not me. I don't understand that either. Like <laughs> I don't like I don't know huh. what cornfields are. We don't have we don't have those. We are a different cultural. We're different culturally from each other, but we're also very different from like Columbus or like uh, rural Ohio. You know, when COVID happened and they would say 88 counties, I'd be like, really? I've never heard of any of these. I don't know what you're talking like. What? Wow. You know, we're not we're not Midwest nice. We're not none of those things. And so she was saying, but she's in Ohio. And it's is it close to you? And I said to her, 
that woman who's in my state is twice as far as you are from London in Northern England. And she was like, oh, I I forget how fucking massive America is. No, it's like so I was like, dude, no, she is not near me. I don't know, like, or people be like, Dayton. I was like, I've literally never been to Dayton. I have born and raised in Ohio. I don't know where the hell, how the hell I'd be over in Dayton. It's <laughs> so, well, it's so funny because people, like, have this perception of Australia as well, right? They're like, well, right. you're, you're in, you're in Melbourne at. and, like, you can just go to Sydney, right? I'm like, my brother in Christ, that's like a 10-hour drive. Well, what about when you were there and you were going from Melbourne to see your, to see your people? I'm not going to say who um, for the safety of your, your personal life. And how many hours did it take you? You know I love privacy. Um, from Melbourne to wait, where? yeah, to when you were seeing your to Queensland, yeah, oh, that's like a two-hour plane ride. But if you do it by car, that's it's like two the, days. Yes, this is what that's the part I wanted you to say out loud. Two yeah. days, yeah. Like, you can drive, drive for a whole. You can drive for like a solid like twenty hours and still yeah. be in the same state. It's crazy because like I huge. I, I'm six. I am less than six hours from the coast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I am in what, pe- in, in what people call the Midwest. Like, yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm less than six hours from Washington D.C. I'm less so than six weird. hours from from uh, Delaware. So if you think about that, like Australia is just next level for and Americans. We are like we just cannot well, like fathom. I, I got on a train to Philadelphia the other day, and when like yeah. coming back, I was looking at like the schedule because my train was delayed by like an hour, yeah. and I realized it's a train that goes through seven different U.S. states in like one journey that would like Australia has six in total (laughs) and one of them isn't even on the mainland there's five like (laughs) I think it's crazy massive I think it's crazy how few time zones you have though it must be nuts to mate, be on like the edge mate, of those time mate, zones. When you brought this up to me, I have not known peace since. It is very <laughs> confusing, and I do not understand. <laughs> there just must be people who I are have like... not known peace. <laughs> I just think I feel really sad for the people who are right on the edge of those time zones, like right over there. It it makes sense. Like, <laughs> it, uh... can you explain to the people why so... it's so confusing? So this is so so Sophie and I sometimes are not in the same continent when we record and we also both have no ability to understand time. So it makes for very challenging recording. I can understand like time zones, but also just like I was also very jet lag. It was there was some stuff. I cannot. But um, there was but also thing- a lot of tr- like PTSD and trauma going on. Oh, my God, it was a bad trip. But you'll want to go back to our borders episode, which is one of my faves. Um, but we talked yeah, a lot amazing. about um, how in Australia we now have this idea of basically kind of, you know, states and time mm-hmm. zones and all mm-hmm. this stuff. But prior to that, the Aboriginal people had lots of what we would probably call tribal nations, but that they really are in Australia. Peoples. Yeah. Sorry. We don't really we say tribes. States, right. Here in the States, we'd call yeah. them tribal nations, yes. right? Because we have that yes. same thing where you look at the tribal map of North America mm-hmm. and we often call it like um, the Haudenosaunee nation, right? I, I yeah. happen to live on the land of the Haudenosaunee nation. Yeah. So same so, thing, but we say language groups instead. That's right. But I think it's not the same thing, actually, because what? Or I think it is the same it's thing. The same but thing I think to white tri- people. 
That's right. That's right. That's right. It's the same thing to a white person. That's right. That's right. But it is different, right? And so Aboriginal people, the the volume of space that the Aboriginal people occupied, and I do think we were looking it up that there are actually more language families in Australia than in over three hundred. Yeah. Um, and so, like, it's also for example, why it was so easy to sell the myth of Australia being like a desert, arid, that's right, country. When that's in reality, right. in reality, there was a thriving agricultural like grain belt that went across the whole of Central Australia. And um, so they basically split up the country mm-hmm. and created uh, time zones because there was no one there. Is their conception? <laughs> of course, there were Aboriginal people there. And so, yes, but never we forget were, that white people came to Australia and called it terra nullius, which means no man's land. And so they just split up three time zones because the bush was empty, um, but physically by area. Now, uh, the U.S. physically by area, the continental U.S. should have five time zones. And, and we have four. So Maine actually should be in Atlantic time zone because it's that far east um, and it's south of the Maritimes. But Australia Has is three. basically is wide. Oh, yes, because Maine used to be part of Massachusetts. Right. And um, so Maine was basically, before it was a state, was just sort of like a territory but, of Massachusetts. But like Australia is like the same size as the U.S. and it has That's right. less. This is where we're going. It has less. Has, That's right. How does it have? But is it because of where it sits? Is it because New Zealand is like kind of like, it's, are, they on, are, just, are they on the lines? Like, I don't. So it was about population, right? So that they decided like it was <gasps> most useful that they really focus on the coasts where there was populations of white settlers. And then they basically kind of like cut the middle and was like, oh, and then everyone else gets a one. <laughs> Which like blew oh! our minds. <laughs> we, we didn't, the funny thing is we didn't, I didn't know this until Neither we were working on a podcast. Neither and I was did like, I. what the hell? <laughs> but also, like, gang, this is just like white supremacy in action, right? Like, at yeah. at the end of the day, like that's a that's an oppressive tactic, putting like a right. bunch of people who because live like remotely into yes. one fucking time zone and lumping them together, giving them no agency across land. Like, guys, this speaks to something larger and really insidious. That's fucked. But to go back to the biscuits and the cookies, it I also sounds so much more exasperated because I'm sick too. You're probably pissed off. <laughs> but it also is to me like how interesting that we are separated. We are both nations created. Mm. In some way, in in some ways, we have a common origin, the British. Yes. But like separated at birth, everything is is so different. There is so much difference. The idea of separated at birth that it's like some zany like buddy comedy, like the parent trap where these like two huge dominant powers of the West like learn how to get along and be in a family. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like cooked. Um, but it's just like... It's... <laughs> We're going to do our own schoolhouse rock. We're just going to have like this. No, no, no. That's That's my book. <laughs> That's my, my God, murder that would mystery. Be, that'd be so amazing. That would be so amazing. That's <laughs> <laughs> really dumb. Uh, but I'm for it. I think it would do really well. But it I just <sighs> think it speaks to how much like what we take as normal is actually global politics. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like it's all like 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 even just I you can't like, consume anything in a vacuum. 
No, I mean, even like the idea that like Americans, we're set apart, we don't have biscuits. Like that you don't even know what I'm talking about when I'm like, but it's a biscuit. <laughs> like, it doesn't honestly. look like a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's because what we see as normal is so constrained by our culture. Yeah. Right, like I just, and there are things, like I always think about this, I always think like, how can it feel good to not wear shoes, to wear shoes in the house? Like I cannot <gasps> intellectually understand oh, that. Oh God, it, it gives that, me you the cannot, I cannot, I, you cannot, I've had people talk I to me, I grew up in cannot. a household where we did it and now I can't do it. I can't, I can't even fathom it. I, like it will not work in my brain. I don't. I moved to New York and I made, uh -huh. like also it was disgusting here and I would never do it, but also oh just my like, God, yeah. I now know I now have too many friends that come from immigrant families. They're like, take your shoes off and wash your rice. Oh, like, just stop it. But how does it, so, but like, but my point is that those kinds of cultural norms are also mental constructs. Yeah. And so yes. if you are, but the, the, and you know, there's lots of them, right? The shoes in the house. And then like, there's a whole map of like in Europe, some of the places are shoes in the house places and some are not and blah, blah, blah. But I, I think can't. it's worth noting that remember so many of these social constructs are because of politics mm -hmm. like even this idea like the biscuit and the cookie where we started in this <laughs> part of this episode it's even actually part of this social construct because the biscuit places are places that are like commonwealth places mm -hmm. and the cookie places are not commonwealth places now i will say canada breaks the biscuit cookie situation of course but it's because canada has a very uncomfortable relationship with the commonwealth right it's like mm -hmm. the common, it's like they're in the commonwealth but they're dating america right? <laughs> or maybe like when that is the best analogy i've ever heard <laughs> they're like or else actually i think america is in their a toxic relationship with america I think they're definitely i think america is their side check <laughs> Fucking hell, they're bit on the side. Um, <laughs> mate, that's really funny. That's very funny. There um, are Canadians. Also, there are Canadians right now who are like right again. Oh, they're mad. Um, but also, like this, this kind of makes me think about like you know how cultural norms and perceptions kind of operate like around countries as well. This happens a lot with yeah. Australia, right? Where like the idea of put a shrimp on the Barbie, like that's not a thing. Like we don't say shrimp, we have prawns, you guys. Like no one says shrimp. Uh, yeah, that's right. We don't. Where did like, it come from? Is it, it a com was it a commercial or something? No, it came from uh, I believe a World War Two like campaign oh. about having U.S. soldiers in Australia, I believe, or mm. Australia. No, or Australian soldiers in fuck. I don't remember, but it was some like. <laughs> I should know this before I bring it up, right? I know. You think, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, maybe some people. Um. <laughs> I'll look it up. I'll look it up. A uh, phrase originated a series of television advertisements by American Tourism Commission. There you go. But it's from 84. Really? Mm -hmm. Paul Hogan. Oh. Then maybe. Paul Hogan. Not World War II? So I don't know. Let me see if I can Google more. But. Huh. Okay, well, it was something. something but it happened. isn't real, right? It's not like people just don't say it. I no, never really thought about it's it. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. It's not something we say. It's not a cultural part of Australia. It is like the rest of the West perceiving Australia a certain way. Do you also, I mean, is that a, like, are people always eating shrimp on barbecues? I never really thought about it. We at Christmas time have like prawns and seafood. And that's about oh. it. Okay. 
But also, like, you know. Do you say Barbie, though, right? You shorten everything. (sighs) Look, I did hear it say, said, like, uh, I suppose growing up, but it's not really, like, it's not common. I do think, like, the fridge, refrigerator, like, people say things, like, the way that we shorten things is also very cultural. We do, we do. But I think, like... I was like, wait a second. No, no, no. But the way people shorten things, like TV... Yeah. Television... So why um, why do Australians... Boob tube. Like, but, like... Insist on doing it so culturally and so... Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That the Brit... But, like, we shorten certain things in America, but actually... Uh, like phone, telephone, but the mm-hmm. the Australians, your way of like adding an O to every short form. Hey, Jono. We, we, like, Jono like almost... isn't shorter. Jono is no. not shorter than John. <laughs> no, no, but it's more affectionate. Yes, it is. Um, it does sound nice. It sounds nice. Hey, Jono. Listen, I don't know why we do it. I love it. I have always wondered why, but. I think that, you know, in, in and in this, in general, a lot of these kinds of things are so much of the way that our culture is, is like mm. constructed within these frameworks of nationality. Yeah. Right? Like, I can't imagine an American ever going, hey, Jono. But we'd call like them Johnny. Like, y'all, y'all have started saying fucking brekkie all the time. And it's weird. I hate that. I hate that. It's we, weird. I don't like when we're picking. I don't like when we pick up. We were talking about this in a different episode. Like palava. I, I love that phrase. But I would never palava. say it. Palava. Yeah. yeah it I don't, just sounds I wrong can't. when you say it. It sounds wrong. I sound so affected. Say it but, again. But like also. I can't now. <laughs> I feel embarrassed. <laughs> no. I have to. I have to do. I palava. get on the spot all the time. Are you fucking kidding? Okay. One, one more time. Palava. Oh, I so wrong. <laughs> what does it mean, Sophie? Um, so it don't cause a fuss. Yeah, or, you know, when when you're like, what's all the palaver? Like, what's all the fuss? What's all the? I'm trying to think of what the American equivalent is. Let's let me look up the actual definition. Oh, the first hit is palaver, palaver, urban dictionary, not definition, which I think is interesting. The word is you is usually used when you are angry or annoyed. Bloody hell, what a palaver. <laughs> Unnecessarily difficult or stressful. <laughs> you can also spell it P A L A V A R or just with an A. Dealer's choice. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do people spell it though? It's not like a word you put in words, right? What like do you mean? Write it. Like you're not typing it up. Hey, this is. But aren't you just saying it? Yeah, you just say it. But also, like, like I've it's seen like it. ugh, <laughs> like youch. Ma, no, it's not really like an. No, it's less of like an expletive or like you know a sound and it, like it is a uh, more of a concept I guess yeah um but also like I've seen it written out like for script writing purposes never really oh, like yeah. in conversations you yeah. know I don't know um, what the American equivalent of it is though yeah I don't know what would it be what's all know. the fuss yeah I guess hmm. we were saying there's apparently like a- it's British by the way yeah, I mean, we were saying, right? Mm. But it just sounds better coming from an Australian. Yeah. I don't know that they palava. have the palava. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I don't know that they have that. <laughs> What's all the palava? No, wrong, bad, boo. Palava, great, solid, mm-hmm. correct choice. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what word we'd use. I don't know. Maybe one doesn't exist. That's just too bad. Mm. 
one of the things I was thinking about in American English is I think we use a lot of Yiddish words. A lot more than a lot of, but I don't know that that's true of all American English, right? No, no, but like I, I know I grew up. Yeah, I grew up like a mensch. Uh, you know, like to um, I know Pixie. I know. What's your favorite word, Pixie? What is it? But that's also cultural. Oh my god, we really are getting all the pixie sounds this time. It's actually quite funny. What are you doing? What are you doing, pixie? What are we doing here? You can't sit in my lap. You're too big. You're too big. No, she's not a ninety pound dog. She's a little baby. She's a lap bear dog. Oh, look at those little gray whiskers. Don't share. We don't like to talk. She's so cute. Okay, so but. Okay, we've gone astray. So <laughs> I don't know how we'd say palava in English, American English. Yeah, how did we get um, here? I don't know how we got here. But I think that what, what we're saying is actually that we that so much of the way we think of our world is constructed through our nationhood. Mm -hmm. But we very rarely realize that that's true. Mm -hmm. And I think the moments we do realize that is when we come to somebody. The easiest way, I think, that we understand nationhood is when we both speak the language and it looks so different. Yeah. Because I, I do think like when I go to, you know, Mexico seems very different than mm -hmm. the US um, and even different than uh, Spanish speaking parts of the US. Mm -hmm. But it feels even more different because they're literally speaking another language. Yes, exactly. And I think when you're speaking the same language, like when you go to a place like the UK and you're like, mm -hmm. this, this is just like us. And then it's so not like us. Seriously, I hear this from um, especially some of my black friends um, going between America and the U.S. Like, my, you know, uh, we, we know Gene. We love Gene on this podcast. Yeah, like, I was just he, thinking of Gene today. Yeah, I love He's so he's just such a wonderful person. Um, but, you know, there's like a completely different perception of like being black and what like blackness is and like the metrics of like if you're not American black, you're not like black, black, whatever the mm -hmm. fuck that means. Mm -hmm. Um Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, if you like cookies better than biscuits, or biscuits better than cookies, why don't you tell us? Send us an email, because artlosspodcast at gmail.com is how you reach out to us. Yes. And if you have thoughts about the CIA, abstract art, or nationhood, feel oh, free to catch Oh, did we even really up. talk about the CIA? No, I'm, gonna, I'm doing the end. I'm doing oh, the fuck. end. I was just like, did I black out? <laughs> <laughs> That's what the CIA wants. How do you, how Did amazing I start knitting and black out? What happened? Fuck. How amazing would that be? If we just like, that'd be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. People start writing in and they're like, I didn't hear that part of the episode. It's like, yeah, this, this, <laughs> the CIA got to us. I'm sorry. <laughs> this would be so, we should do this on April Fool. Okay. That's Follow me. really funny. Follow me, Seema. At Darkroom Varmint. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> just messing with you. Just being a trickster. No, see, I'm just trying to make me think I'm crazy. You can follow Seema at Artlust. A-R-T-L-U-S-T. Thanks for listening. <laughs> you should have say mine now. I guess I'll say you can, you can follow I said me. it already. Oh, no, yeah, you, you can. can I already said oh. Did I say my name? Yes. <laughs> I mean, you can follow me. You can follow Sophie. There you at go. Dark room. D A R K. 
V A R M I N T. You guys, awesomely you try producing a podcast when you're unwell and see how it comes out. I'd like to see you do it. <laughs> I have no excuse. I can't believe I use my name. <laughs> no, you're just picking up my vibes. That's okay. All right, we're just we're just like yeah. I know, Pixie. It's confusing. I'm not. I know. That's not my handle. You're right. <laughs> I really thought I blacked out for a moment. I was just like, what?